Hi, and welcome to Walk Talk, a podcast courtesy of the Wound, Ostomy, and Continence Nurses Society. Walk Talk is your opportunity to learn more about advocacy, education, and research that support the practice and delivery of expert healthcare to individuals with wound, ostomy, and continence care needs. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jody Scardillo. Welcome to this week's edition of Walk Talk. I'm your host, Jody Scardillo. This week, we sit down with Dr. Laura Swoboda and Amy Frisch. They, along with Dr. Jessica Held, are co-authors of a poster presented at WOC Next in June of 2021. The poster was entitled, Outpatient Ostomy Triage Tool, Education for the Generalists. The authors are all employed at the Friedert and the Medical College of Wisconsin Community Hospital Division. All right. Thanks so much for joining me, ladies. I'm really excited to have you here to talk about your poster from WOC Next. And so Laura Swoboda and Amy Frisch are here, and you have another author that was not able to join the podcast today as well, I understand, right? Right. Yes, Jessica Held. Okay, good. So maybe we'll start with you, Laura. Tell me about your past work history, both as a walk nurse and a non-walk nurse, and a little bit about where you work. Sure. So I started off with my associate's degree in special needs nursing. And then as I was working on my BSN, I was working as a home health care nurse and I came across a number of complex wound and ostomy cases. And I really didn't have a resource available to help me answer those questions for patients. So I became my own resource by enrolling in a CWOCN program. And after I completed that program, I moved to Milwaukee to start work on my doctorate. So I completed my DNP and have been practicing as a provider in wound anostomy care since graduation. And then shortly after graduation, I began to work as a professor of translational science because of my interest in evidence-based practice, quality improvement, and research. Great. And how about you, Amy? I actually started out with a major in Spanish or minor in business. So I have a bachelor's degree in that and then came back to nursing a little bit later in life. And so I graduated with my BSN in 2008. Right off the bat, I was really interested in wound and ostomy nursing and figured the path to that. Again, first obtaining my bachelor's degree. And then after I graduated, I ended up being able to get a position in our outpatient clinic. So I was able to start off early on with wound care, some ostomy care, and then also all the other modalities that the outpatient care center offered, experiences that they offered, and then went back for my wound ostomy incontinence nursing certification two years later and have been inpatient at an acute care setting at a community-based hospital ever since then. So that's been since about 2010. And really, I'm interested in the inpatient and outpatient kind of joint settings and providing care for our patient population with a continuity of care perspective. So tell me how you two work together, or the three of you actually work together, and how did this project come about? So... I am very proud of the fact that we have three nurse practitioner-led outpatient wound and ostomy clinics that are staffed by CWOCN and CWOCN AP certified providers 
in the outpatient area, we work with RNs that are trained but aren't certified in woundinostomy care. And then in the inpatient environment, that's for the CWON RNs practice with a you know high degree of autonomy. And then providers kind of go there as needed for services, just as an as needed basis. So we are working on integrating certified RNs into our ostomy, outpatient ostomy clinic. So as Amy had mentioned, she, you know, has an interest in that continuity of care or ostomy care across the continuum. And I think that's where this project started is noticing issues kind of across that care spectrum. That's right. And we work closely with our outpatient clinics as well. As Laura said, this is something new that we are really striving towards completely integrating. So you you may see posters about this in the future from our team, but we're really looking to make sure that that continuity of care is really carried over. There are times as of now that if there is extra help needed in the outpatient clinic for our ostomy patients, the inpatient CWOCNs will go to outpatient and help care for those patients, and then vice versa. Now our advanced providers are coming inpatient as well to basically start off the care that is needed so that there's not as much of a delay in that transition from discharge to their first appointment in the outpatient clinic. Nice. It sounds like a really nice model of care that you're developing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the goals of our organization is allowing nurses to practice to the extent of their certification and licensure. Obviously, always within scope, but I think that's one of the things that woundinostomy nurses like so much is that high degree of autonomy, and that's something that we're really interested in preserving. Yeah, and it sounds like it's ideal for the patients as well. I loved this poster. I have to tell you, because this issue is a daily occurrence in my professional life. And I always like, you know, kind of try to solve a problem, but then it doesn't really solve it for much more than that patient situation. So I was really interested to see all the work you did on trying to address this issue of supplies and triaging patients. So can one of you just describe a little bit what you did and what you did for your poster? Sure. The way we we decided to start this project was there were several reasons. In the mornings, there would be multiple phone calls at times or messages at times about some issues with ostomy patients and needing to troubleshoot and when can we see them as soon as possible. There was also the issue that there is an ostomy cabinet, kind of closet cabinet in our outpatient clinic that is a locked cabinet in a locked closet. And frequently in the mornings, it would look rifled through. So you could tell that, you know, it was very well organized the day before. And then like the next morning or on a Monday morning after a weekend, things were very out of place. Things were missing. And we realized that the issue was in talking with staff that our nursing supervisors, because our outpatient clinic is attached to our hospital. And so there would be patients that would come in through the ED staff wouldn't really know what to do or how to manage them. And all they could offer them was supplies. And a lot of times the patients would be coming in to the ED just needing supplies. They ran out, they used their last one, they didn't know what to do. And so they would go to the ostomy cabinet and just randomly pick something that they hoped would work for the ostomy patient. 
And so we were really getting low and missing some critical supplies that were needed for the ostomy patients in the outpatient clinic and didn't, didn't have what we needed for them as well. So then our care was not as up to par as we wanted it to be either, as far as what we could provide them sample-wise or supply-wise when they would have their appointments. There was also very evident and knowledge deficit. We would hear from staff that they just didn't know how to answer these questions that patients would have. They didn't know how to troubleshoot. They didn't feel like they had necessarily the knowledge or the resources to provide the best answers or even direction for these patients. And as you know, with ostomy patients, whether they're brand new to, especially those that are brand new to this, or those that have had an ostomy for a long time, but now things are changing, it can be really overwhelming. And so not knowing who to turn to or where to go for the patient and for the staff member was a real challenge that we felt that we needed to just get ahead of. It was happening too frequently. And we really strive on providing the best care possible for everyone. And that wasn't being delivered. So we decided to create this triage tool, so to speak, that staff could go to and have kind of as a resource anytime they got a call or had a patient that would come through the ED. And they would just have have some direction on what to give the patient, which then led to the, well, another reason staff are rifling through the cabinet and patients are coming to the ED is lack of supplies. So nowadays there is no real go-to place for you to walk in and in person immediately obtain supplies. Everything is mail order nowadays, which granted those supplies can get to somebody within a day if needed and if, if available. However, that is not the best solution. So we decided that we also needed to create a way for patients to obtain supplies immediately or as quickly as possible as needed. So the thing that was most astounding to me was that you got your pharmacy. So it looked like you had your hospital pharmacies and then maybe another pharmacy to stock a small amount of product. So did you do that like with an individual kit, like with a couple of changes, or did you do it by the box? Or how did you do that part of it? And how did you decide what to do, like what to keep there? Sure. What we did was we spoke with our local pharmacy. So there is a pharmacy, an outpatient pharmacy attached to our two community-based hospitals. There's another local pharmacy that's part of our healthcare system. We have multiple pharmacies that are offsite that are part of our healthcare system. And so we started at the community level first, just inquiring if they would even have shelf space and be able to stock some of these supplies. We shared the triage tool with them and also just shared what the community problem or issue was. And they had shared with us that, yes, they will occasionally, in some cases it was frequently, have people that would come in and asking for supplies and they, A, didn't have any and B, had no idea where to direct them. So they actually welcomed this. And we ended up not doing a kit because we found that we wanted something to be more universal and just have it be kept simple. You know, obviously we know there are so many different combinations and brands and, and product styles and things like that, that you could choose from. We're never going to be able to have exactly what every person with an ostomy has or needs. So what we did was we chose cut to fit because that would accommodate any size stoma. 
we chose one pieces because for patients that used a two piece, it's the same as using a one piece versus those who are used to using a one piece, the applying a pouch to that wafer might be a challenge to them. Or if they have dexterity issues, we figured a one piece would be easier as well. So one pieces cut to fit. Then we also had them stock a couple of the accessories that might be needed to accommodate some temporary fixes. So stoma powder and some rings. So we know that we're not meeting the needs of the convex population. However, we felt with certain rings, they would be able to temporarily just create a little bit of building up of that wafer if needed. Again, these are temporary fixes. We didn't expect to supply people long-term. So our pharmacists were really, really gracious and grateful to have something like that. So initially they would have like a box of each item and they would have the triage tool so they could provide the information to the patients when they came and they would put together. We also gave them stacks of those kind of handouts, those step-by-step how to change your pouching system and how to use the accessory products as well. So we had handout sheets that they would be able to put in the bag with the supplies. And so then patients could purchase these supplies by the each, they wouldn't have to purchase a whole box. So if they only needed, you know, two pouching systems to get them by for a couple days or a week, they would be able to have that versus having an entire box of something that they're not going to use long-term. And so it was really welcomed by our pharmacies throughout the system. And to be able to supply them, the other important factor was utilizing products that were already on our formulary. So it was something that our supply chain didn't need to seek out or obtain per, you know, permissions or anything like that. So it was already on formulary. We just had to get it from our main distribution center stocked at the pharmacies. And as they use things up, they have all the product numbers and things like that and are able to obtain that through our distribution system. You didn't have to be monitoring the usage and ordering yourselves then. The pharmacy took care of that. That is the goal, yes. Okay. And so then by selling them by like the each, that would be a lot more affordable for many of my patients anyway, than having to go to a pharmacy and buy a whole box of something that they maybe couldn't afford. That's right. Because the other issue is a lot of these patients, not a lot, I would say some have insurance coverage. So when purchasing them through our outpatient pharmacy, they're having to pay the cost up front, and then they can get reimbursed through insurance if they have insurance that covers. Either way, whether they have insurance that covers or whether they have to be reimbursed, they have to do this out of pocket. So a box of supplies is so much more expensive than just buying one, one pouching system at the hospital's cost. Right. So that was a great idea. And then did you do a urinary and a drainable pouch or you didn't need that in your population that you take care of? So we have the drainable pouches for our fecal ostomies. And then we also have the one piece urinary drainable pouches for our urinary ostomy patients. Okay, great. And so I work in a big hospital system too. And it seems like sometimes you have to go through a lot of layers to get to where you need to be. So did you reach out to your pharmacy department where you are? I'm just trying to 
think about how, if somebody else wanted to try to do what you did, is that how you did that? And then just worked with them to get this done? Yes. So we started at the community level because they're much more accessible, I would say, because we do work in a large healthcare system. We have a large trauma one center. So we started off small. (laughs) And fortunately, we really do have close and great relationships with our pharmacists. So we started at the outpatient pharmacy that is housed where I work and where Laura works as well. And then we branched out to the pharmacy where Jessica is stationed at. So they were conversations had with individual pharmacists first so that we could get you know, a sense of, is this something that they would be on board with? And is this something that they feel is a need as well? And like I said, there was a response from all the pharmacists that yes, this is a need. There were some, depending on the community, there were a couple pharmacies that weren't really sure how much it was needed. So they were very happy with starting with just one box of each so that things wouldn't expire and go unused. So that was, that was a factor too. So we really had these conversations and it was individualized to each pharmacy. So the fact that we weren't rolling something out that mandated X number of boxes to be stocked and things like that, I believe that's how it was more accepting as well. It was based on the individual pharmacy needs. And so myself and Laura and the, and the crew kind of taking care of the background investigation, you know, with our supply chain and how we could get them to the pharmacy and things like that, we took care of that part. And then once things were initiated and they were brought in, like I said, they were provided product numbers. They were then, it was actually one of the pharmacists who said, you know, well, have these products, will our patients know how to use them? You know, what I don't really know much about ostomies. I don't know much how to care for them or how to use these products. How do I convey that to the people who are purchasing the products. So I did a little bit of individual education with the pharmacists. And then, like I said, those paper handouts that teach you step-by-step instructions on how to use a one-piece system or how to use a ring or how to use the powder, stacks of those were kept in each pharmacy. So they then had the education piece that they could provide for their patients that are coming to purchase the supplies, which was really important to them. Oh, that's good. So would you recommend that stepwise way to do it again? Like now that you look back on this project, that seems like a smart way to do it rather than, you know, just say everybody's got to do this, like do one place at a time until everybody that you needed to be on board was on board. I would, you know, in hindsight, would it be great to have, I would say it would be great to have a meeting with all the pharmacists if possible. You know, nowadays, now that we have access to Zoom and other ways to have meetings where you don't have to all be on site in the same room, I would say to do it over again, I would have an initial meeting with all the pharmacists so that we could have this conversation together so that any pharmacist or pharmacy that was kind of on the fence thinking they, you know, needed it or or didn't need it, I should say, they would maybe have these conversations and see the need and how it would be utilized by the other pharmacies mm-hmm. and come on board. And then it would also eliminate the need for all of these individual conversations. So I would say setting up a meeting with all of your pharmacists, if possible, would be a great way to try it out. And if that wasn't successful, or if you're not able to get everybody to meet at one time, then breaking it down and starting out with your smaller, if you're in a large system, 
starting out with your smaller hospitals and your smaller pharmacies in the community. Okay, great. That's great advice. Can you talk about home health care and your local home care agencies? And did you work with them or how do you, maybe it only happens in my area, but people get discharged from home health care. And then somehow after that, the supply issue is gets dropped some way. So can you talk about what, if anything, you did regarding the home care agencies that you tend to work with? We did. We did work with our local home health agencies. So we saw two issues. One, like you said, is that they weren't setting up people with long-term DME suppliers, and they also weren't having follow-up in the outpatient ostomy clinic until the problems became so severe that we would get these phone calls. They have to be seen immediately. You know, my skin's breaking down. I'm leaking. So we reached out to two of our largest local home health agencies and set up meetings with their leadership, actually, where we shared the problems that we'd been seeing and kind of brainstormed together to see what we could come up with to help solve these problems. And they were actually very receptive. They went and they reached out to industry and partnered with industry to have in-services for their nurses to teach them ostomy care and how to set people up with DME suppliers and things like that. And it was very successful. I would say the issues that we saw after that occurred have been very minimal. Okay, great. Great. That was a great idea. And then you mentioned earlier when we first started talking about an ostomy outpatient clinic. And so do you have a clinic in every site within your organization? And what's kind of the model within your organization for that outpatient clinic? You said it was advanced practice nurse run. Are they full-time? How do you staff that? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because there seems to always be a lot of questions on the forums about how do you organize a clinic? Yeah. So right now we do have nurse practitioner-led wound and ostomy clinics. So at the large academic health center, there is an advanced practice nurse and nurse practitioner who covers inpatient and outpatient. So she is full-time ostomy care. For the community hospitals, the nurse practitioners see both wound and ostomy patients in the outpatient clinic. But we are working on integrating with the CWON RNs in the outpatient care area to increase that continuity of care for patients. Nice. And how frequently do you book patients during the day? And are patients able to get an appointment quickly if they call with a skin problem? And do you all organize the appointments or do you have support staff or how do you do that part? So one of the nice things about incorporating an ostomy clinic within an established clinic already, like our wound care clinic, is that we have rooms available. We have staff available for vitals and things like that. We have charging already set up. So everything kind of the framework is already in place, but the WOCN actually offers a pretty good breakdown of not only people's salary, but also how many patients people are seeing per day. So that's a good resource document that people can look for if they're interested in that kind of information. We, out of professionalism, will always fit these patients in. I mean, these patients are experience high levels of stress. They really need to be seen expediently. So if we don't have an opening, we are very flexible in getting them in and getting them seen. And as Amy had mentioned, the inpatient team will also sometimes come outpatient, you know, if there isn't that availability and the patient really needs to be seen quickly. Again, part of our model that we're looking to incorporating, I should say, 
is having this integration between inpatient and outpatient and establishing more structured ostomy clinic so that there will be, you know, specific times that are ostomy patients that need to come back for, you know, just evaluations, you know, maybe at their post-op period and things like that. So when they have just scheduled appointments that are not emergent, there's kind of this set clinic for them as well that can be facilitated by inpatient and outpatient so that we can accommodate both the scheduled ostomy patient and then also the emergent ostomy patient. Sounds like a great model for care. So I wanted to get back to the tool that you all developed. So on the poster, and I'll mention the details of the poster at the end in case any of our listeners want to look at it. But so you have a really nice, easy to use tool that has like three columns with questions and information. So how did you all develop that, I'm guessing, and then how did you disseminate that across the organization? And how did you educate that to the users? Sure. So the tool itself with the different areas of information that we offer and the resources that we offer really came out of the questions that the nurses were getting from patients or that the ED staff would share with us where they were struggling as far as providing information. So a lot of it was just trying to figure out basic troubleshooting care. So they had shared that, you know, if they could have something that, you know, guided them question-wise as far as supplies go and as far as some skin issues go, and then having resources to give them right away, that is what they shared with us what their need was. So we took that and came back and created these questions that we thought, okay, well, if we ask this question, it will lead to this answer, which will guide us to what resource to provide them. You know, the simple questions of, how are you cleansing? You know, there's a lot of patients that might be using all different types of cleansers and things like that, that might contribute to their frequent changing and not having good wear time. So things that would prompt us to be able to be a quick fix in the interim is what we wanted to identify and address. And then as far as supplier, we needed to identify whether they even had a supplier or not, and then how to address that situation. So That is how some of these questions came about that are used on our triage tool. And then we figured too that they needed to have resources outside of our hospital system at times. So kind of working in industry and the resources that industry provides would be essential as well, because a lot of that, that help that they need is at times when our clinic is closed or when we're not available and those resources they can access anytime. And so we took all of that and then that's how the tool came about. As far as educating and disseminating it, we actually printed out the triage tool and hand delivered it to our primary care provider clinics, Mm -hmm. hand delivered it to our pharmacies and also our ED. We did disseminate it via email internally through our organization. As far as the education goes, we reached out to the ED staff our outpatient clinic staff, and then also essential inpatient staff. Certain units in our community inpatient hospital have more of an ostomy population than others. So we focused on them as well. And then just did a quick kind of in-person education as to what the triage tool was, 
how to use it and how to connect patients with our resources that we have. So connecting them with our outpatient clinics, how to get an appointment and how to get supplies if they were in need of them so that the ED staff didn't feel like they constantly needed to order all these supplies from distribution and, you know, kind of hand them out and send them out with them. They could start them out with a little bit of supply and then be able to direct the patients to purchase if they needed any between that visit and their appointment to purchase at our pharmacies. So it was really a undertaking as far as doing this in-person training and things like that to get everything rolled out. I bet. And do you now have, or are you thinking of having this tool available, like linked to the EMR or on an internet site or anything electronic in your organization, or that's not something that you need or would work where you are? So yes, we would definitely. So we do have an internet site and actually each one of our hospitals has a internet page for our wound and ostomy program. So on that internet site, there is inpatient and outpatient as both populations are a little bit different and require different resources. And so the tool can be on that. So I would definitely recommend if your organization has an internet site, get the tool on the page because then people can quickly reference it no matter what time of day or night it is. So that is something I would strongly suggest. So using the internet, having it kind of posted around, you know, can be laminated and posted or kept in a binder on each unit or in our outpatient clinics is another way to have that tool accessible to staff. And then you did a survey, I think about six months after you implemented this project and you had no issues that had occurred in that six month period. So you must've been thrilled about that. Yes. (laughs) I did have a question and looking at the poster, you asked about patient barriers to success. And so you were asking staff nurses or staff users of the tool, what they thought the barriers were. Correct. Yeah. So that survey question was essentially a list of potential barriers, and then they selected ones that they felt impacted patients. So we had, you know, 80% of staff surveyed felt that patient compliance or patient adherence to the plan of care or ostomy recommendations would be a, a barrier to success. And then we had other options for them, you know, insurance, financial, transportation, they really need in-person care. So those were all options. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised by any of those results when you looked at these survey returns? I was surprised that in-person care needed was only 10%, you know, selected by 10%. I would think that, you know, a lot of people would think that these ASME patients would need in-person care more frequently, which I think really speaks to the success of the tool. The fact that they are feeling that patients can be managed without needing in-person care immediately in the ASME clinic. Mm-hmm. And do you think the adherence compliance answer was maybe the patient wasn't choosing or didn't know how to follow the plan that had been set up? Absolutely. Yeah. So for some patients, they can't purchase supplies because of financial or transport issues. So they're all kind of interconnected social determinant type issues. Some patients can purchase supplies out of pocket, but they just refuse to spend any money on medical care. So there's those types of issues. And and that's where follow-up in the ostomy clinic is so important because that gives a certified ostomy specialist that extra time to delve into whatever that patient-specific concern is. 
And then you had, which was really exciting, I thought 70% of your respondents were very likely to make changes in their practice. So that's really nice results for all of your hard work. Yeah, absolutely. I think 90% of respondents were either likely or very likely to make practice changes. So they've shown in medical education, at least, that you get about four hours on wound and skin care, and that's about it. And sometimes people get almost no education on ostomy care. And people want to be, they want to feel that they're doing the right thing for people and they want to be helping people. So I think that this tool really gives healthcare clinicians and providers that access to to be giving people the right answers and leading them, you know, to opportunities to help them. Yeah, I agree. It was a real staff satisfier in that they were so frustrated before not knowing what to say, not knowing where to direct the patients, not knowing what resources they had available to them, that having this created and being something that they could use at any given time, that alone, I think, really helped with the responses to changing in their practice. It seems like it's less work for a staff person also to have all this information rather than having to find it out every few months when somebody comes in on the weekend in the emergency department or whatever. Right. They just feel better equipped to problem solve then at that point and have more of a compliance to this using the tool. Right. Right. Now that you've finished this and you did a beautiful poster, was there anything that you wish you had done differently? Or if somebody was asking you about it, say, oh, I wish I had done this or you should do this type of thing? Yes, I would say there are a couple of things. So going forward, this is something that I feel because of you know, changing in staff, you know, a lot of times staff will go from one unit to another, or, you know, they may leave and go to a different hospital or different clinic, things like that. I think creating this as a annual education, at least annually, and covering this more frequently would be beneficial because there are then, you know, we're finding now that There are staff that didn't know about the resource and because they're brand new and maybe it wasn't part of their initial orientation to the clinic or the hospital or the inpatient unit. And so I would say making sure that this is part of that orientation would be important going forward. And like I said, and then reviewing it annually would be important. As I said earlier, meeting as groups so that there's there's some networking that could occur during those meetings would be important as well. We are developing a skin champion program throughout our system. So there will be unit champions throughout each inpatient setting. And so having this be part of that education and and resources for those skin champions to use on the units would be important as well. If any hospital system has a skin champion program already in use, I would bring it to them as well. Okay, great. And so a really important question. And did this stop the trashing of your closet every weekend of supplies? It's funny that you say that because actually shortly after you contacted me about the poster, we did note that there was a mysterious empty box in the, maybe I'm just very, very organized, but it was out of place. And then again, last week, we are starting to notice, you know, some more referrals from the ED. We're starting to notice people are rifling through the cabinet and 
things like that. So like Amy said, I think any quality improvement study, it is important to have a specified time. We are going to revisit that. You know, does education need to go out again? Should this just be an annual thing? Because, you know, new residents, new staff, the last few years have been very intense for everybody. So taking that opportunity to re-educate. Great. And then what else are you going to do with this? I got the impression, at least when we first started talking, that this was the beginning of something and not the end. So do you have plans to do more with this or you're going to kind of keep it and maintain it? Or can you talk about that a little bit? So we are certainly going to, you know, take a look at the tools, see if there's anything we can educate on that. And then, you know, go back to each patient area and just start from square one again, show people the tool, talk to them how to use it. We are, you know, as we had mentioned, really reevaluating how we're delivering care in terms of, you know, inpatient, outpatient flow, establishing an RN primarily led ostomy clinic. So I would certainly keep your ears and eyes open for future articles and posters from us on establishing an RN based ostomy clinic. Sounds like another good podcast topic, doesn't it? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It does. Yeah, for sure. Good. All right. What else is important about this project that I didn't ask you about or that we didn't talk about? I think we did cover a lot. I would say just to always remember to focus on what your individual population and staff needs are. This tool is great. I feel like it could be used universally. However, there might be some areas that in your patient population that there's different barriers and making sure that you are incorporating that into whatever tool you do create to make sure that it is individualized to your institution and your healthcare system. Okay, great. And how about you, Laura, anything else that you can think of we, our listeners should know about your work? I think with any project in a big institution, you just, you need to have that motivation within yourself and just know that you're doing the right thing for patients and keep that with you as you're, you know, getting setbacks and keep moving forward. Yes. Always be flexible. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a key, right? Never quit. Yeah. I think I learned that a long time ago with, you think you're going to do a project and improve the process. And then you think you can graduate from it and move on to something else, but you really, it always stays with you. I think it's, it's important, right? That's right. And we, as you know, the certified wound and ostomy nurses that we are, we are our patients' best advocates. So no matter what walls you're coming up against, just always remember you're their voice and you are an expert in your field and you know what people need. Well, that is a perfect way to end our talk today. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm going to list out all the details on your poster and how our listeners can access it at the end here. All right. Thank you very much for having us. Great. Thank you. If you're interested in looking at the tool or the poster that our guests have presented, the title again was Outpatient Ostomy Triage Tool. Education for the Generalists by Laura Swoboda, Jessica Held, and Amy Frisch. It's available on the WOC Next website, and the poster number is EPI16. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of Walk Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk Talk. Please visit WOCN.org slash podcast for additional details about this topic and the speakers. 
You can also get more information about subscribing to this podcast so you never miss an episode and to get the latest news and information from the WOCN Society. Again, that's WOCN.org slash podcast. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Walk Talk. Walk Talk.